And I really never had any intention of going through this in such detail. But we're talking about spiritual warfare. And if we don't understand what it's all about, how it works, that's the whole thing about this, is how the devil and the evil spirits that are confederate with him, how they take a child that's born into this world innocent and take him right straight to hell. That's how it happens. We've been looking at it. We've been studying it here. It's so plain. Go to verse 29. What we're going to talk about here tonight is what a reprobate mind looks like. Romans 1, 29, let's read the last four verses here of the chapter. Uh, he, he said there in verse 28, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. And then you got a semicolon. So the rest of these verses describe what a reprobate mind looks like, how it's manifested, how you can see that somebody has a reprobate mind. And like I told you last week, I believe there's a lot more people with a reprobate mind than everybody thinks there is. We think somehow we've got this idea that a reprobate mind is just some special class of extreme sinner that's just went so far that he's just way out there and it's and without hope and lost and rejected and gone. But I'm telling you, every sinner is a reprobate. Every enemy of God is a reprobate. That's right. Being filled with all unrighteousness. Wow. Fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents without understanding, covenant breakers without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death. You catch that? All that stuff we just read there? Worthy of death. Yeah. (laughs) Not just the murderers there. They're worthy of death. Everybody that does all of those things is worthy of death. And they know that. Who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. How far off the bubble are you? I mean, do you look at those sins and do you think they're worthy of death? Most people don't. Well, of course not. Disobedient to parents? You know, full of envy, debate, debate, arguing. These last four verses of the chapter here describe the person with a reprobate mind. Everything mentioned there is familiar to all of us, isn't it? We know people like that. (laughs) We see them every day. We're around them. There's too many of those things that we see among us, among us. We see these things tolerated and, uh, you know, endured even among us. 
<laughs> if they really do describe what a reprobate mind is like and how it's manifested, then what in the world are we supposed to think about ourselves? Paul wrote to the church at Corinth and several times he did this. In Timothy, he also mentioned reprobate and reprobate. Lest I be a castaway, he said another time. He said, uh, you know, talking about himself, you know, as lest I be a reprobate. He had that in his mind that, you know, anybody can fall into that category in this spiritual battle that we're in. By just dropping the walls, opening the gates, and just letting the spirits have control of you instead of the Holy Spirit of God. We see it continually in others. And if we're honest, we got to admit that, we're, that we were once a part of that same crowd. The picture painted here is really ugly to every human being. You know, n nobody reads this. Even those who fit the description perfectly themselves, they read all these words and they say, that's terrible, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, and maliciousness. Nobody wants to identify themselves with any of this. Nobody wants this stuff in their home, in their life, in their children. They don't want none of this. It's, that's an ugly mess to everybody. Bad guys hate bad guys when they start doing bad stuff to them. When it's all just talk and when it's all just imagination and games and, and identity, they may act like they like it, but no, no. You turn your guns on each other and then, boy, then it's, they don't like bad guys. They go to crying for a good guy to come along and save them. No one looks favorably on any of these 24 named traits of a reprobate mind. If you count them, there's 24 things mentioned there. Nobody looks favorably on any of them. The fact, that fact, coupled with the fact that people <laughs> invariably become this abominable creature by their own will, that's proof that sin is insanity. If you need any more proof than what you already see, I mean, that's proof that nobody likes any of that. Nobody looks favorably upon it, but everybody becomes that without God. When they quit glorifying God as God and they quit being thankful like we just talked about here, then they go right down this road and that's what they become. You get, you're without God, that's what you are. That's what you become. Being filled with all unrighteousness, it says right there in the beginning. Well, uh, the word is expressed with a lot of force there. He didn't say just being unrighteous, you know, doing unrighteousness. It says being filled with all unrighteousness. A reprobate man. Turned away from God. Living in vain imaginations. Given over to uncleanness. Given up to vile affections. They're filled with all unrighteousness. You know the drugs and the alcohol and, and all of these substance habits, they just picture so clearly what sin really is and how it does, how it, how it works in your life. You don't just get a little bit of it. You know, there are some people who social drink and they never go any farther. 
But I'll tell you what, you're going to find, <laughs> for every one of them, you're going to find some more that, man, they lose everything in it. The meth heads and the dope heads, uh, they don't get away scot-free. It gets them completely. Unrighteousness means injustice, just not fairness. You just don't treat other people right. That's what unrighteousness means. You just don't do other people right. You cut in front of them. You take what they should have. I mean, you leave them hanging. You don't care about them as long as you get what you want and you get your way and it goes well for you. Everybody else is disposable to you. That's what unrighteousness is. It's also a violation of the divine law because the divine law, the moral law of God is all about how we treat God and how we treat other people. And so unrighteousness is any violation of that divine law. Jesus said it's all summed up in this. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Everything, there it is, in a nutshell. The whole moral law of God. He even summed it up a little closer when he said, As ye would that men should do unto you, do ye also even unto them likewise. The golden rule. You know what's right and wrong by just turning it around in your mind and saying, Would I like them to do me that way? Would I feel uh, sinned against, trespassed against? Would I feel like I've been wronged if, if they did that to me, what I'm fixing to do them? That'll stop you in your tracks if you, if you live by that. There's nothing that a person who's filled with all unrighteousness will not do. You need to realize that. <laughs> You'd be more careful about the friends you pick if you realize the truth of this. There's no, there's nothing that a person who's filled with all unrighteousness will not do. There's no one that's safe from him and the harm that he can and will do to other people. You know, if it was a, a mad dog and he's a barking at you and a bearing your teeth, you'd, man, you'd be watching him. I mean, if you know that he's bit people, before, you keep your eye on him. You won't turn your back on him. But how do you do with people? Huh? Oh, they're a good old boy. I mean, they drink a little and they dope a little and they run around a little and they fornicate a little, but they, they ain't going to hurt nobody. <laughs> you crazy is what you are. They're dangerous, much more dangerous than a mad dog. There's nothing that a person that's filled with all unrighteousness will not do when they get the opportunity. He's completely untrustworthy. He's completely selfish. And he's completely immoral in all things. Ultimately, he has his own, own interests only. And his lust is his motivation in all that he does. You hear me? That's really, when you boil it down, that's really all that he's got in mind. He's not got any, any in mind you're good. He doesn't care. And that goes for his family if he's one of these. Doesn't matter who you are. He's without natural affection, you know. He doesn't care. He's, beyond, he's past feeling. He don't go on feelings except his own. What he wants. He lives to sin. 
It isn't something that he just slips up in once in a while and, and, and temptation just overtakes him once in a while. This is not what we're talking about here. We're talking about somebody filled with all unrighteousness. He's just an all-around, wretched, hateful, proud, evil-speaking, immoral, unclean, dishonest, lying, malicious, rebellious, God-hating fool who thinks he's smarter than most everybody else. And I took all those words from that verse right there and the words that he used. So that's what a person with a reprobate mind looks like. And we all know them, don't we? How much of that do you see among us? You know. The message of the life-changing, sin-cleansing gospel has been so watered down and changed into another gospel that makes accommodation for reprobates in the kingdom of God. Now, that's what I see. That's what I've seen for years. I've run into these people. I didn't have to go to any beer-drinking joint. I didn't have to go to any, you know, house of ill repute. I didn't have to go where they all hang out. I found these people in churches. I've run into them behind pulpits. I've suffered the consequences of rubbing shoulders with them in the church. There will always be hypocrites among the people of God. There will. There's tares among the wheat. Sure as the world. But when the difference is so described, is described so vividly like this does for us, then we're without excuse for giving the high places in the churches to the enemies of God. There's no way you can not tell the difference. I've heard it said from pulpits that you can't really tell the difference in a saved person and a lost person because we just don't know. You know, we're all sinners and we just sin all the time and we've got that sinful nature, you know, and if you say you don't, you're a liar. <laughs> need to read the Bible with your eyes open instead of drinking the Kool-Aid every time you open your Bible. The 24 types of sin and sinners described in these four verses here are found commonly everywhere in the churches and in its leaders now. I've never, some of the worst people I've ever met claim to be Christians. Some of the meanest spirited, hateful, backbiting, wretched people. And I hate to say that. I mean, I just hate to say that. But it's true. I've found them in the churches. Ecclesiastes 3.16, I'm not the first one that ever noticed this. We're talking about 3,000 plus years ago, Solomon said, And moreover, I saw under the sun the place of judgment that wickedness was there, and the place of righteousness that iniquity was there. He noticed it too. It's always been this way. <laughs> Making a place for the reprobates in the house of God. Solomon witnessed it in human nature without God over 3,000 years ago, so it's not nothing new. But it is certainly something that ought to be called out and made right in any generation. Somebody ought to cry loud and spare not. Jesus did when he came. He pointed them out and said, there is a bunch of hypocrites right there. Leading all the religion. They're full of dead men's bones. They're children of the devil. 
I know that's not popular, but Jesus did it in His time. <clears throat> the church should be a place of righteousness, shouldn't it? We're talking about reprobates who are filled with all unrighteousness. They've got no place working and leading in the church that's supposed to be a place of righteousness. <clears throat> the only way it can be a place of righteousness is if the people in that church are righteous. Boy, that's profound, ain't it? <clears throat> it certainly can't be people in that church that are filled with all unrighteousness. <laughs> well, how much unrighteousness can you tolerate? A place of righteousness is a place where righteousness prevails and iniquity does not. A man and woman who are married or a family that lives together in the same house, you know, it's going to happen. Occasionally, you're going to trespass against one another. Mm -hmm. You just are. You're always not going to do everything that pleases everybody else. Not even a man and wife living together without all these children around complicating everything. Even them. Every once in a while, he ain't going to be able to find his socks. Every once in a while, somebody's not going to put the cat back on the toothpaste. Mm -hmm. Anybody here do that? <laughs> Well, that ain't nothing. It causes discord. It causes frustration and anger and trouble. But a man and woman who live like that, no matter how kind they are and how much they love one another, they're still going to have those little issues. But, but boy, it's a miserable marriage or a miserable home indeed if they live for the purpose of just aggravating one another and trespassing against one another. And never sincerely apologizing or making anything right. Or changing any behavior that causes problems among themselves. That's a terrible place to live. And it's a terrible marriage to be in. Well, the church is kind of like that too. You're not going to have a bunch of people get together and, and worship God and try to build buildings and, and have a ministry without having conflicts and rubs once in a while. But if you love one another, <laughs> and if you try to get along with one another, let each esteem other better, better than himself, you know, and all of these things give way, forbear, suffer yourself to be defrauded, then everything will work out. And it'll be a place of righteousness. But if there's a bunch of hardheads there, or if there's one hardhead who's bent on having his own way, who... Who, who's got more of these traits than anything else, then you're going to have trouble. And before you know it, it's going to be a, a little leaven, leaven at the whole lump, and you're going to have everybody at each other's throats. That's the way it'll be. A church is a group of people striving for perfection, but still not fully there yet. A church is certainly not a group of reprobate sinners backbiting and whispering against one another and hating one another and envying one another and competing with one another for superiority. Right. Emulation, that's, that's competition. 
And churches use that now to build churches. They use a bad word that the Bible condemns as evil to promote the kingdom of God. To make the church a place of righteousness, they promote something that's of the devil. But the message of the modern gospel is exactly that. We're all helpless, habitual sinners. So all of the 24 traits of a reprobate cannot be condemned even in the church. Mm, 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 mm. Alright, now the great contrast that the Bible draws between the saved and the lost, between the saint of God and the reprobate mind, is too obvious and clear to misunderstand. And see, you know, again, let me just point this out to you. People just think sinner and saint and then reprobate. They've got a third class, you know. Sinners are just good old boys. Just, you know, just ain't never been taught like the old guy in Virginia that time. Yeah, Lord help them people out there drinking beer and smoking pot tonight. They're good people. They just don't understand, he said. But that's how people think now because that's the modern gospel. And I'm telling you, it's not like that. If you're an enemy of God, you're in big trouble. And you're in worse shape than you think you are. And a lot of people are enemies of God, but they speak of God favorably outwardly. You know people how they do that with other people. They'll just hug your neck and tell and tell you what a good friend you are, and turn, as soon as you're gone, man, they're cutting you to pieces. That's the way the enemies of God do him too. They'll come to church and praise the Lord and they'll sing songs and they'll call each other brother and then they'll turn right around and go out and... So, in order to fail to understand the message of God in this matter about the difference, you've got to lay your Bible down and quit reading and studying it. And you just got to start listening to human experts and those educated ones who occupy the high places of religion. That's what you got to do. We've been reading First John and everywhere in the New Testament, in the Old Testament, everywhere we read, I, every day almost, I just, I just say, how can people believe all this stuff? Look what it says. It's just so clear to me. And the older I get and the more I read it, every time I read it, it's just clear. I wish I could see like that with these eyes. I wish that every time I went... So every day when I woke up, I could see better. It ain't working that way with these eyes. But it is with my soul's eyes in the Word of God. It really is. And I just don't understand how you can fail to understand the real message of God unless you just don't read it. Unrighteousness is described for us here. Is <laughs> Oh my, let me see, I don't know, let me see how, oh, alright, I'm going to try to hurry here, yeah, better. Unrighteousness is described for us here as fornication, that's the incontinence or lewdness of unmarried persons, male or female, also the criminal conversation of a married man with an unmarried woman, it includes adultery, incest, and nothing is off limits to a fornicator. You better believe that. 
I know what I'm saying to you here. A fornicator will do anything in that realm. Wickedness. Now, I'm not just off the rails here. I mean, being filled with all unrighteousness. And then he goes right into the list. Wickedness. It's a departure from the rules of the divine law. Just <laughs> evil disposition or practices. It's immorality. It's crime. It's sin. It's sinfulness. It's corrupt manners. Wickedness. Just wickedness. Just being opposite to God. And God's holiness and righteousness. It's being contrary to everything. Ishmael was, his hand was against every man and every man's hand against him. Why? Because he's wicked. That's why. I know people like that. And you know, you can just mark it down. Somebody that can't get along with anybody, (laughs) they're a wicked person. That is right. I know the world's going to hate us, but that don't mean I won't get along with them. That, you know, he that's of the contrary part may be ashamed not having any evil thing to say of you. I mean, he can't prove nothing. He's just, you've not really done anything to cause him to feel that way. So he'd be ashamed. Covetousness, a strong or inordinate desire of obtaining and possessing some supposed good, usually in a bad sense and applied to an inordinate desire of wealth or avarice. Covetousness, just just wanting stuff. Just always having something else. I need to get me that. I want to buy that, you know. Covetousness. It's not just wanting what somebody else has. It's just wanting everything. It's just wanting stuff. Greedy. That's part of a, being a reprobate. Covetousness is idolatry, the Bible says. And when we went through the Ten Commandments, it's parallel with a lot of this. If you just study it out, I mean, you can just follow each one of these right up the Ten Commandments. Maliciousness. Malevolent in the extreme. Malignant in heart. Well, we know what malignant means. It's like cancer. It's... It's evil instead of benevolent means kind and, and generous and giving and caring. And malignant means just the opposite. Malignancy will kill you. And that's what maliciousness is. Just having an evil disposition toward another or others wishing evil to others. Ill disposed or dying. Uh, disposed to injure others. Maliciousness. Just somebody that's mean. How about that? Just mean. Just always doing something to hurt somebody else with their tongue, with their words, or something else. Just some way, any way to cause misery, trouble, problems for somebody else. They're at it. You ever know anybody like that? Boy, I have. I know people like that right now. They just live. To do something mean to somebody. It's their kick. That's where they get their kicks. They enjoy it. Full of envy. That means pain and uneasiness and mortification or discontent excited by the sight of another's superiority or success. Envy is not jealousy. Jealousy has to do with love. You know, God's a jealous God. But he's not envious. 
Envy is something when we look at somebody else and say, it ought to be me, it ought to be mine, I ought to get that praise, I ought to get the, you know, they don't deserve it. Envy. It's when you feel miserable because somebody else is blessed. Somebody else succeeds. Somebody else does something better than you did it. It just makes you miserable. Instead of happy. You know, we ought to rejoice with them that rejoice. We ought to rejoice with one another over God's blessings. You ought to be, as, you ought to be more thankful if somebody else gets some great blessing than you would be if it was you. You ought to rather see somebody else blessed than yourself. Now, if your spirit's right in you, that's the way it'll be. But if you have this malevolent spirit, malicious spirit, all of this stuff is of the devil. All of it. All of it. This is the way he is. He's a murderer. He's a liar. He's a destroyer. He's a hater of God. Everything here describes the devil. So when it's in you, you're a cohort of the devil. And that's just what it is. You're not of God. You're not of God if this stuff is in you. There's more to that, but let me hurry. Murder. Say, well, now look at that. Murder. To destroy or put an end to. How about that? That's one of the definitions of murder. To destroy or put an end to. Murder. We read this this morning, 1 John 3.15. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. Or maybe it was yesterday we read that. And you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Now that's the Bible. That ain't Mike Miller. That's 1 John chapter 3, verse 15. If you hate your brother, you're a murderer. Well, if you're malicious and you're wicked and you're covetous and you're full of envy and all of this other deceit and malignity, then... Don't tell me you love your brother. You're a murderer. Murderer. Right in with all of this. We just don't see sin like God sees it. We don't. We've even, even those of us who, who stand against it and claim it, uh, to be against it and all, we don't. We, we really go soft on sin. Way softer than what God does. You really get a right view of sin, you're going to realize that hell is justice yes. and deserved. Yeah. You're going to realize that you deserve to be in hell right now with your back broke. Yeah. You won't say, well, I've never done nothing that bad. I mean, I've always been a good person and I've, I mean, I just never. Nope, you don't understand. Deceit. Well, wait a minute. Debate. Well, what does that mean? Why do that in school? We had debates in school. It was a thing you're supposed to do. You know, the presidential candidates have debates and all of this. Is the gospel up for debate? Is there anything in the Word of God that we ought to be debating about? No, no. Debate means to quarrel. To it means wrangling. It means contention, argue, strife, variance. That's what it means. Debate. That's what he he put it in here. That's part of the character of a sinner, a person with a reprobate mind. He argues with everything. Yes. Long as you argue with everything, you're never going. But you're unteachable. You're stubborn. You're proud. You're deceived, and you're unteachable. <coughs> Deceit. Well, we know what that is. That's lying 
and lies and guile and trickery. Full of that stuff. Malignity, extreme enmity or evil disposition of heart towards another. I have seen people in churches, I have seen preachers who absolutely hated one another. I have. I mean, I have seen them. I, I seen two of them show up at a meeting one time. And everybody said, uh-oh, they're both here. No, wasn't good, wasn't good. Is that the character of a Christian? Somebody's born of the Spirit, filled with God's love. A new creature in Christ. Is that the character of somebody like that? No, it's Him. You can't live like that for God. I found that out a long time ago. I figured that out. I mean, there is no way that I can be right with God and have peace in my heart if there is one person on this earth that I couldn't stand to be in the presence of or that I wouldn't face and shake their hand. <laughs> That's right. How can you hate one another? Whispers. That means a backbiter. One who slanders secretly. That's a gossip. When somebody talks behind other people's backs. But the next one says backbiters. That's one who slanders. Uh, let me see if I can say this word. Calumniates. Calumniates. Wow, what a word. Or speaks ill of the absence. Absent. You know, that's talking behind somebody's back. Talking bad about somebody behind their back. Of course, I know nobody's here guilty of that. Everybody ought to hang their head in shame. When you hear these things that are characteristic of a reprobate mind, what place do they have in our life? If we're walking with God and if we're filled with His Spirit and if we're right with God at all, how can we do these things when we read here what they're associated with? You wouldn't drink no liquor because of what it's associated with. You wouldn't smoke cigarettes or take dope or you wouldn't dress a certain way because of what it's associated with. But what about this stuff? I mean, this is the core of the things. These are the things that really, really matter. Who we are, what we're like. How we interact with other people. How we look at other people. And whose control we're under. What kind of control? What spirit is controlling you if this is in our life? You know, you need to think about it. When we're talking about somebody else, what spirit is controlling me? I mean, we really do need to think about that. We need to realize that that's just exactly how it is. We have let... We've opened the gate and let an evil spirit yeah. and into our yeah. mind. Yeah. And he is controlling us. Right. Speak evil of no man. Think Charity thinketh no evil. Don't even think it. Yeah. <laughs> let alone speak it. Yeah. Oh, the tongue's an unruly evil. Uh, a world of iniquity set on fire of hell. That's, that's just exactly what sets it on fire. Hell. Proud. Was well, despiteful. Wait a minute. I'm still jumping. Here. Haters of God is the next one. That means enemies of God who oppose everything He is. Cohorts of the devil himself. Despiteful. 
full of spite, malicious and malignant, despiteful. You just despise other people. Yeah. <laughs> you despise them. Yeah. Who they think they are. I would like to elaborate more on each of these, but I'm trying to hurry here. That boasters, proud, having inordinate self-esteem, possessing a high or unreasonable conceit of one's own excellence. Excellence. Remember when we talked about conceit, conceive, and the eye, talking about the mind and imagination. Remember how we talked about that? How you perceive and then you conceive. You made up your mind that you're better than everybody else. You made up your mind that you're smarter, better looking. I mean, you're just on another level from everybody else. <laughs> Proud. Well, a child of God is not proud. Well, I'm so proud to be one of God's children. No, I don't, you don't need to say it like that. It's a bad word. Proud. You can't use it in a good way. So I'm so proud of my children. Won't you just say I'm thankful for my children because that fits and that's the only thing that fits. I'm thankful and grateful for what God's done instead of I'm proud. No, you're claiming you did it. You're claiming all the credit. You're wanting all the glory. When you're proud, you're, you're seeking for somebody. Yeah. I'm proud of my children. Well, you ought to be. I'll tell you. Pat you on the back. Yeah. You sure did a good yeah. job. Yeah. Boasters. That's blowhards. Always making heroes of themselves with their speech. Somehow there's always... I've heard preachers here are boasters. They're always the hero. Their stories and illustrations are all about them and they're always the hero. Inventors of it. God don't do that. The Holy Ghost of God don't lead a man to do that. Nope. Inventors of evil things. Well, that's people who exercise their minds to come up with new ways to encourage sin and unrighteousness. <clears throat> and everybody who's a sinner does that. And you're always looking for some easier better, sneakier way to get away with it. That's true. Or to hide it. Disobedient to parents. Isn't that something? Well, it's not such a serious thing. I mean, a little old kid just be disobedient to his parents. and Neglecting or refusing to obey. Omitting to do what is commanded or doing what is prohibited. That's what dis disobedient to parents is. And every one of these things is worthy of death. Even a reprobate mind knows that these things are worthy of death. That's what the Bible says right there in the last verse. And they, knowing that they which do such things are worthy of death, let's go ahead and do it anyway. And then they encourage and help and watch other people do them too. If parents really believed that, you'd make your kids mind. You'd train your children to obey. If you really believe that disobedient to parents is worthy of death, and that it's a trait of a reprobate mind, a sinner, you'd do everything in your power to teach your children to obey. Without understanding, that means just blind to the truth, blind to what's right. Blind to sound reasoning. They're crazy. 
out of their mind. Everything's upside down in their reasoning, in their perception of the world, and the concepts they have in their mind. It's all upside down and scrambled, and they just don't know. They're without understanding. They don't even know why we gather like this. They think it's foolish. Sing them songs. What's that about? All them words and that Bible. They don't understand nothing. I read a guy the other day. He thinks he's a genius. He told me so. He told me his IQ's out out the roof, boy. And he's got such a high IQ. And he can just work on electronics and stuff and just figure it out. He's just so smart. But But he said that Searching the Bible for answers is futile. He's just found it to be futile. He fits this perfectly. He professes himself to be wise. He's a fool. He thinks in all he's all about politics, and he thinks we're on the right track, going the right way. Without understanding, professing themselves to be wise. I mean. I, you know, my old way I used to be, I've grown since then, thank the Lord, but, you know, my, it's still in there. I think, boy, I'd like to tell him I found something in the Bible that you might understand. It's talking about you professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. But that's not nice to tell somebody that. Without understanding, covenant breakers. Well, that'd be kind of like people who get married and then just walk off. Mm-hmm. Be like people who join a church. A church is a covenant together. We got a covenant in storage, I guess. Used to be on the wall over here. All churches used to have a church covenant. That means a mutual promise. You make vows to one another and we're going to live after this. You remember what that covenant said and all that? Covenant breakers. They just don't keep their word. They don't keep not even their promises. Not even their vows. Let alone what they tell you. Man's word is his bond. That was from the old days when people believed this book. And they knew the difference between righteousness and wickedness. They knew the difference between a saint and a sinner. And their word was worth something because they because the Bible says so. Without natural affection. That means hard-hearted towards kindred and unresponsive to the natural affection of others. People who don't... I mean, you know, abortion. Women that throw their babies in a dumpster. People that just put their old mom or dad in a nursing home and don't even go visit them or nothing. That's without natural affection. (laughs) It's people that don't... Care enough about their children to raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Without natural affection. Boy, we're seeing it now. You know, God made man and He made woman. He made a male and a female. And He made it so that they're kind of, they kind of like each other that way. That's natural affection. You know, this homo stuff. That's without natural affection. They say they love one another. No, they don't. That's not natural affection. That's inordinate lust. It's vile affections. It's what it says right here. Vile affections. 
They feel something, but it's not clean. It's not natural. It's not what God intended. Obviously. But nobody's got the nerve, the authority, the, the courage to say that in public anymore because it's just about to the point where if I say that in public, I go to jail. It's coming. Implacable. That means un, you can't please them. Uh, not to be appeased. They cannot be pacified and rendered peaceable. In, in ex, inexorable. <coughs> stubborn. Implacable means stubborn. Or constant in enmity. Unforgiving. Seen a lot of people in church like that too. I went and visited people who left the church and found that right there. You couldn't apologize. You couldn't tell them anything. You couldn't try to fix anything. They done made up their mind and they're going to hate you forever. That's the way it is. You did me wrong and I'll never forgive you. Now you can't tell me. Implacable. You ain't dealing with a born again Christian when you're dealing with somebody like that. A born-again Christian is going to be forgiving and he's going to seek peace and he's going to seek reconciliation. He's not going to set his feet, you know, and say, I'll never forgive you. No. And even if he was done wrong, he'll forgive you. Uh, unmerciful. Well, that means cruel, inhuman, to such beings as are in one's power, not disposed to spare or forgive. Unmerciful. Boy, these, this sure don't sound like anything good, does it? Doesn't sound like the kind of people you'd want to hang around, does it? Doesn't sound like the kind of person you'd want to marry, does it? Do you know people that are like this cover all these things up? So that you don't really realize it until you see them for real like they are. Everybody's got a mask on. And it's always got a smile on it. And that's what they show everybody. That's why people get married with this courting and dating and all that they do nowadays, the way they do it, the worldly kind. And and they don't know each other and until they get married and start living together. And then the real one comes out. And then they don't like what they see. Knowing what sin is and yet choosing to do it. That last verse there, where we at here, with that... Uh, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. So, they know what is sin, and they choose to do it anyway. They, they size it all up, and just say, it's worth it. I don't care. Or they just say, I don't care what happens. I want it. I'm going to do it. Made up my mind. Not only that, but they approve of and take pleasure in the sin of others. To be pleased with other people's sin is to love sin for sin's sake. I mean, my goodness. To watch other people do these things? What? Well, that's what Hollywood's about. That's what all the celebrities are about. You want to know why the lowest of people are the celebrities and the role models, the football players and the rap singers and all of these whores of Hollywood and, and everything? You want to know why they're looked up to? Because the, I just read it to you out of the Bible. 
they not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Yep. They like to watch them do all this. Kill each other and lie. And what is all the dramas, the movies, the soap operas? What, what's it all about? What's country music lyrics about? What's rock music lyrics about? What's, what's all the world's song about? The stuff we just read here. The woe and the sorrow and the mis injustice and woe is me. That's what they sang about because that's where they live right there. It is joining in a confederacy for the devil's kingdom and the devil's interests. You got to realize you're either for God or you're against him. You're either for God or you're for the devil. And Jesus just, I mean, laid it right out there. They said, we be Abraham's children. He said, your father is the devil. Man. Ain't no such a thing as being religious like you are and, and God and all of this. When you, I'm, here stands God right before you and you hate my guts and want to kill me. They do not only commit sin, but they defend and justify it and encourage others to do the like. Our own sins are much aggravated by our concurrence with and complacency in the sins of others. You're not going to watch people do it and listen to them talk about it without being drug into it yourself. I don't care how secure you are. You can't go wallow in the swamp and in the mud without getting it all over you and pretty soon you're just one of them. By contrast, I'm just going to read you a few verses here and then I'll quit. But, but by contrast, the character of a true child of God is exactly the opposite of all this on every count. Every count. You read what this terrible list right here of what a reprobate mind looks like and you want to know what a Christian's like, the opposite of every one of them. He has understanding. He keeps his promises. He's got natural affection. He doesn't despise other people. He's humble, not proud. He loves God. He don't hate God. He don't gossip about people and talk about them behind their back. And He's merciful. And we could just go on and on. But listen to this. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. Sure sounds better to me. Ephesians 4, verses 31 and 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Remember that word? And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, Forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. That's the kind of people I'd rather be around. Yes, sir. Even people that want to be like that, I'd rather be around them. Even if they slip up once in a while. Even if they say something once in a while that offends me. Yeah. Even if they don't like me once in a while or they get offended with me because of something I said. I'd rather be around that kind of people. Yes, sir. <laughs> Yeah, I know some of them. I've met some of them through the years. Uh, Romans 12, verse 10. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love in honor preferring one another. Mercy. 
I read a thing in a commentary today and the, and the guy said this. He said, until the wicked people of this world, the God-haters and the God-deniers, until they can show me one ten-mile square place on the earth that they've ever created or ever put a fence around or ever sanctioned where people can go and live in harmony and love and peace with one another then I don't want to hear a word they got to say about their criticism of God and the Word of God and Christianity and the law of God. Let them keep their mouth shut. They ain't never done nothing. The only hope they've got of anything better than what they got is this right here. And they hate it. And they reject it. And they mock it. And they try to discredit it. And they have no right, no authority. It's the only hope there is for any person to have any kind of peace in their life or to have any kind of fellowship with other human beings in true love and, sure. and honor and peace. One more, <coughs> one more scripture here. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 and 13. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved. The elect of God are holy and beloved. Bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Sounds to me like two different camps completely. I don't believe you can be a part of one and then be a part of the other at the same time. I believe you've got to come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. And if you're going to be a child of God, you're going to have to say so. And you're going to have to declare it. You're going to have to come out from among them. Quit being like them. You're going to have to start living your life. Using your tongue. Thinking in your mind like a child of God. Because that's what the Holy Spirit will do for you. If you're under His influence and under His control. In other words, if you're walking after the Spirit, if you're led by the Spirit, these things will be present. And those things will be absent. And, you know, there's sanctification. It's a progressive thing. These things will get less and less and less. They'll get more and more abominable to you. You want to be more holy. That's what it means. It's not... Holiness is not some... uh, uh, what, What am I trying to say here? Position. Right. It's the state of your soul, your mind, your heart. We're to be sanctified body, soul, and spirit. Made holy. Cleaned up. Get rid of all this stuff. And the Holy Spirit will do that. He'll lead us to all truth. And we'll quit this backbiting and talking about each other behind their back and and all this meanness and maliciousness and hatred and variance and strife and all of that. Love one another. Seek the best for one another. Like God does for us. Amen. I'll quit. I know. been a little long. Father, thank You. Thank You for the truth. Lord, I know this is right. I wish I could make it clear. I wish it was understood better. Uh, but that's up to You, Lord. You've got to deal with every heart. And I pray You would now. In Jesus' name, amen.